Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey there, I'm Leisha Grubinski, and I'm filling in for Laura Lynch on What on Earth? And I want to introduce you to two other awesome climate journalists. Hi, Leisha. Hello, Leisha. That first voice was CBC meteorologist <laughs> Johanna Wagstaff and the CBC's Rohith Joseph. They're co-hosts of a brand new climate podcast, 10 Minutes to Save the Planet, which apparently tries to rewire our brains? Is that what's really happening here, you guys? That sounds kind of scary. I mean, maybe we should have... <laughs> yeah, there are no wires <laughs> involved, but we're going to no, do it. There's no actual <laughs> neurosurgery involved here. Don't worry. Don't worry. But yeah. I like the idea of this. I think there's a few things that could maybe use some rewiring in my mm-hmm. own brain, especially when it comes to saving the planet. So, Johanna, the podcast centers around the United Nations list of 10 actions for a healthy planet. Yes. Why? Why was this list the focus? So we we all know what the solutions are to climate change. We have these solutions, but I feel like as individuals, we've heard this same list over and over again. You know, drive less, eat less meat, reduce, reuse, recycle. But mm-hmm. I think we've heard them so many times that they've lost their meaning. Like, what, what do they actually mean? How do we include them in our lives? So we thought, let's start with the most official list of actions that an individual can take. And no offense to the United Nations. I mean, their climate science is like my Bible, but they're also the <laughs> most boring. So I thought, you know, <laughs> let's start with the most official and then find ways to actually make these solutions tangible and really incorporate them into our daily lives. Yeah, because it's one thing to have the list, and then it's a whole other thing to put it into action. So really, yes. this is where, like, 10 Minutes to Save the Planet, it features a lot of behavioral science. So what did you find interesting about looking at climate action through this lens of human behavior? Yeah, I mean, this is such a big thing, because when you think about human behavior, you can make it as small as the individual, but you can also kind of extrapolate it to all of us and and the behavior of groups of people and organizations like corporations and government. So what I thought was super interesting in looking at climate action through human behavior is that you can say even like the smallest things, like even everyday things, like why don't we make sure that we don't waste food? Why why are we so bad at that? It, it does come down to like even simple things like what do you see in your fridge first? I don't want to spoil too much, but turns out just a little reorganizing of your fridge just could... Just a little. Just a little can actually help reduce food waste. And isn't okay. that such a small, silly thing that we have to tweak? Now, Johanna, you have researched and reported on climate change for years. Was there still things that you learned in the making of this podcast that actually surprised you? I really didn't realize that there were behavioral changes that I could be making every day. First of all, that I wasn't doing. I mean, I still have 
a long way to go. There are still things that I can I can be doing as an individual that have impact. But the biggest surprise for me was that these little steps make me happier. You know, and I think I didn't realize reporting on these these big events obviously have a toll uh, when we're talking about extreme weather events. But then these these changes that I'm making in my life actually are making me a happier person and my family's happier and I'm saving more money. And it, it sounds so simple, but I think I really needed, you know, therapy <laughs> to help me, uh, behavioral therapy to help me realize that uh, actions equal happiness. And then Rohit, you know, a lot of people listening might be thinking, individuals can't solve climate change, right? It has to be the companies, the governments that do it. And, and that, that's partially true. But what would your response be to that? A lot of food waste, in fact, the majority of food waste, the UN has said, comes from individual households. So we actually have control over that or the choices you make in terms of your commute every day. Like that's an individual choice that you can't completely blame that on external factors, but uh, you can, you know, and that's the thing. We also acknowledge throughout the show that there are some things out of your control and you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. But the things that you do have some control over, you can make a different choice. You can make a small change. And as long as you make it consistent, it does add up. And I think that's the thing. We're not trying to make people feel guilty about things that they can't control. And the things that they can't control were, I think, if we let them know, hey, here's the ways that you can potentially influence this big thing. I mean, you know, it gives us a bigger leg to stand on when we're demanding things of our corporations and governments. Hey, I'm doing it. Why can't you? I feel like it's even more of a leg to stand on, you know? So we're, yeah. we're, we're trying to empower people. Uh, but we shouldn't forget, of course, the other powers that be and we'll still hold them accountable. Yep. And if it makes us happier, I'm all for it. So, Johanna, we're about to listen to the first episode of 10 Minutes to Save the Planet. Can you set it up for us? Yeah. So we've teed it up with how excited we are about food waste. So that's the one that we we want to share with you right now. And I think it's just so relatable, whether it's your kids' soggy Cheerios, uh, fruit and vegetables at the end of the week, no matter how hard you try and use it all. It's not just about throwing away food. It's about throwing away money. And for me, this was like the first big tangible one that I introduced into my life. And it's all about Feng Shuin, our fridge. And my husband took a little while to adapt to having the fruits and vegetables on the inside of the fridge door and putting our condiments in the crisper. But honestly, it is a game and life changer and a climate changer too. So we're happy to share this one with you. Okay. Well, thanks to both of you. Let's give it a listen. Opening the fridge, the smell of rot overwhelms. Okay, it's not that bad, but I definitely need to pinpoint what that smell is. Opening crisper. Oh, that is. Oh, that is definitely the target of the smell. Oh my! Please tell me I'm not alone here. They were moldy tomatoes, by the way. Actually, it's better for the planet if I am the only one. I'm Johanna Wagstaff, a meteorologist, often with moldy lettuce. That is not a euphemism. (laughs) Please don't be. Uh, I'm... 
<laughs> and I'm uh, Rohit Joseph, a journalist uh, with moldy cucumbers. Uh, way too often, cucumbers. Nice. Not reliable, Joe. Not reliable. Uh, and on this episode of 10 Minutes to Save the Planet, we're looking at how to get in the habit of throwing away less of our food. And here's why it's important. The United Nations says food waste accounts for 8 to 10 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions. And more than half of the food wasted is from households, from everyday people. We can't as easily blame the man for this. Not it's, this time. It's us. We can do better. And when you, threw, when you throw the food away, it is wasting valuable resources and it's producing really powerful methane farts. That warms up the planet <laughs> way faster than you'd think. And that's bad. So here, this is one of 10 climate actions recommended by the United Nations. And we already know what we have to do. We know how to solve climate mm -hmm. change. Oftentimes, we just get stuck because our brains are weird and we make some stupid decisions at times. And we also get stuck thinking nothing will help. We're taking on the challenge ourselves with the help of an expert in human behavior. We're going to try and rewire our weird brains to make these steps part of our daily lives, changing our behavior just one step at a time so that we don't all die. This should be a really easy one for all of us. Just don't throw away as much food. I literally have the visual of just setting fire to dollar bills. That's what's <laughs> happening when we're just tossing out the food at the end of the week. Now, uh, I've got to say, I, I really want to get better at this because, as you said, an individual can really move the dial on this mm -hmm. front. My husband is basically taking the lion's share for it in the family because he will eat food that is so far beyond the expiry date. It is so disgusting, and I feel so proud of him. At the same time, we live busy lives. We've got a four-year-old. So, you know, at the end of every week, we are throwing or composting food, and it does not feel good. You know, I, I know that the best before date is kind of a tricky one and I still I still way too much like listen to it obediently as if it's God telling me if you eat this food any later you will be smited and March 23rd I, is your death date <laughs> I'm serious I, I think I listen to the best before date too much I'm like the opposite of your husband and uh, I end up throwing away probably stuff that shouldn't be thrown away so that's my bad, Joe. That's okay, you, my bad. You do need to meet in the middle, but why don't I first take you on a little picnic? This is live footage of an actual lunch that I would pack for myself. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no judging, but I've got peanut butter and jelly, slightly old carrots. I met up with food systems expert Tamara Soma. She teaches at Simon Fraser University, and there's a garden there uh, with a picnic table. So we each brought our own legit lunch. But I'm actually going to fast forward to the end of the meal, to the compost. You don't want to waste food to begin with, but these are food scraps. Yes. And it's really good to compost it. So let's just move this thing here. Ooh, there's some good critters Can in Can you here. feel that it's warm? It's warm. Yeah. Critters. and worms. So food literacy is basically like the education and the knowledge of understanding the whole food supply chain, food cycle from food, uh, food production mm -hmm. all the way to the consumption and to the waste management. 
food education, um, it's, it's, it has not been valued um, very much. And so I think that we need to think about food education as a way to help us better understand climate, to help us better understand math and science, uh, to help us better understand culture. And in the context of Canada especially, you know, I'm passionate about land-based learning and I invite Indigenous elders and experts into my classroom, um, you know, learning about food, uh, being in touch with the land and recognizing the indigenous, indigenous traditional ecological knowledge is one way to actually like support decolonization and reconciliation. The big takeaway here is, yes, we have to throw away less fruits and veggies. And fruits and veggies really are the problem for most households. How do we do that? It's about being mindful and knowing what you have and how to use it well. And when we do have to compost, make sure it's just the food scraps, not your your entire crisper of sludge. Uh, but to actually get our brains to do that, we have to care about where our food is coming from and where it's going. We, we have to feel like we're part of the, the big picture. I just want to say crisper of sludge was my 90s grunge band name and you stole it from me. <laughs> I really yeah. don't like that, Joe. Uh, I'll have to come up with a new one. Okay, but on that front of composting and learning, I'll start with the composting because it actually does help. It significantly reduces the methane emissions produced by food waste. And some people, I find myself guilty of this sometimes, rely on the composting for getting rid of the leftovers. Let's be real. We all do it. But that's not the point of it. So this is where learning really comes in. The United Nations Environment Program says track your food waste with a food diary. It can help just figure out those patterns, those things that you constantly are throwing out. Maybe you're buying way more tomatoes than you need and you're not an Italian grandmother. So please, you know, stop doing that. This was or, for the data nerds too, right? Like tracking data, Excel sheets. Who else is pumped? Yeah, Fitbit your fridge is I guess what I'm getting at here. And speaking of the fridge, you know, we keep throwing things out because we don't see them in our fridge. They're hidden away sometimes. We tuck them away. And this is something our very own behavior expert says she's been forcing herself to change. She calls it feng shuiing her fridge. I'm Jiaying Zhao, but I go by Jay-Z. I'm a professor of psychology and sustainability at the University of British Columbia. Uh, for the past 10 years, I've been working on behavior change. So I'm trying to get people to do the things that are not only good for the planet, but also good for themselves. The fridge is not designed with human behavior in mind. Why? Because we're asked or advised to put perishables in the drawers or to the back of the fridge when it's the coolest. So what we should do instead is completely kind of feng shui our fridge. So what I have been doing with my own fridge is I put perishables at the door. I move everything that will go bad Soon, I move them to the door. So when I open the fridge, I see them right away, and I use them. And I put the condiments, the, the, the durables, in the drawers and in the back because they last and they can just stay there forever. Put mustard in the back, ketchup in the back, put the fruits, vegetables at the door. And I actually, I have not wasted a single piece of carrot since I've done that. This is, like, mind-blowing for me. Why have I never thought to move the, like, tiny bit of condiments in the bottom of a bottle into the crisper and put those rotting tomatoes that will no longer rot if they're on the inside of the door. I'm honestly, I'm honestly reorganizing my fridge in my head right now. I have to make a confession here, Joe. Okay. 
Uh, when I told my girlfriend about this, she's like, I've been telling you this for ages. And she's like, why do you have to listen to a behavior in expert, you know, expert in behavior? You get what I mean. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. And I'm going to also make that change because it adds up. And here's another thing. When we have so many leftovers, Johanna, it sometimes feels overwhelming, right? Like, what am I going to do with all these tomatoes and onions mm-hmm. and cucumbers? Well, guess what? There's websites that can actually help you figure that out, like supercook.com. It's one of these websites that you put in the things that you have left over, and it'll generate thousands of recipes. Also, there's people on Instagram constantly talking about frugal and uh, budget meals. Yeah, and on IG and TikTok, I mean, at the end of the day when you're scrolling, search uh, food waste, and there's so many uh, influencers who are sharing ideas for how to store your food, like putting a bouquet of uh, lettuce in a, a vase, and that'll keep it longer. So yeah, there's there's so many so many suggestions out there. What else you got? You can always just share the food you have, whether it's donating it to charities, food banks, uh, community fridges, or just getting people together and helping you finish that ridiculous amount of mac and cheese you (laughs) thought you'd eat when you were a bit stoned. That's okay. People can come and help you out. I feel like the takeaway for me reshuffling my fridge is going to be huge. I think I'm going to try and take better account of the food I'm constantly throwing away and maybe learn from that as well as feng shuiing my fridge. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to your girlfriend. That's 10 minutes, everyone. Uh, What are you going to do to try and feng shui your leftovers? I'm sorry, everyone. I just found I just found the tomatoes. I feel really bad and like I might throw up. I can't believe I let you all into my fridge in my world like this. You've been listening to 10 Minutes to Save the Planet from CBC Podcasts. The show is written and hosted by Rohit Joseph and me, Johanna Wagstaff. Our producer is Teresa Lalonde. Sound design by Jill Constantine. Fabiola Carletti is our digital coordinating producer with assistance by Sean Lloyd. Our managing producer is Damon Fairless. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC Podcasts. And Arif Nurani is the director. That was the first episode of 10 Minutes to Save the Planet. You can listen to more episodes from the series right now on the CBC Listen app and everywhere you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.